0: from historic Liert Park in Los Angeles, California. I'm Tavis Smiley and I'm so glad to see you and me uh, back in stride again. Before we get started with today's show. let me invite you to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the real Tavis Smiley and get updates on X. That's formerly Twitter at Tavis Smiley. By the way, should you miss any part of today's program, I want to catch up on previous shows. You can always visit the Tavis that's the show.com or wherever you uh, get your podcast uh, and listen to us at your leisure. Another great show on tap for you today. In our second hour, our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., was once referred to, uh, uh, colloquially at least, <laughs> as Chocolate City. In those days, D.C. came to be the nation's murder capital and, for that matter, incarceration capital. So here's my question Have you been to D.C. lately? D.C. is now a haven for wealthy white folk. So how did that happen? And why is that same reality being replicated in major cities all across America? Uh, Do anti-black policy decisions drive mass incarceration, gentrification, and racial inequality? Tanya Golash-Bose's research draws a direct line between redlining, incarceration, and gentrification, and she'll break it down for us today in our Two in our third hour, a conversation with investigative reporter Jerry Mitchell on reopening unsolved murder cases of the civil rights era. I look forward to that dialogue with Jerry Mitchell in hour three. You'll be fascinated to learn some new data about a number of these cases that are uh, being uh, reopened because they have uh, yet. Uh, They are yet to be solved. We'll talk about that uh, today in our third hour But we commence today's show talking politics with our regular contributor and there's a whole lot to talk about The renowned civil rights lawyer and towering public intellectual Connie Rice. Connie, how are you today?
1: Hey, Travis, I'm armed, alarmed, but not yet panicked
0: (laughs) (laughs) Armed, alarmed, but not yet panicked. Well, there are a whole lot of folks whole lot of folk who panicked yesterday, uh, and let me just jump right into what caused the panic. For those of us who are black, who are political animals, who follow this stuff every day, uh, this did cause some panic yesterday. Don't know if you saw this story, but I'm going to spend some time on this with Connie before I move to a litany of other issues, including Donald Trump. He and the judge literally are going at it right now in the courtroom. The judge uh, in New York called for a 15-minute recess and told uh, Trump's lawyer, get your client together. Get him together. Trump and the judge are going at it, yelling at each other in the courtroom. Um, That's what's happening literally as we speak. Uh, We are now commemorating, celebrating the 15th anniversary of the historic election of Barack Hussein Obama 15 years ago. Uh, He was elected uh, the first black president of these United States. Um, Israel has decided to literally turn the Hamas terror attack of October 7th into like a mini movie. It's like a 45 minute movie. Um, very controversial of what happened on October seventh. Uh, they believe they need to change the narrative from all the pro-Palestinian protests. So there's a literally a short film, if you will. Um, no, no, uh, no narration, just footage that's being shown literally today, this week here in L.A. and Hollywood and in New York in certain places. Uh, you got to know somebody to get in to see it. Um, but uh, Israel is really. Uh, making uh, what some would call a bold brazen. Others think it's a sick decision to just show this footage uh, again as another attempt uh, on their part uh, to sort of change this narrative. Uh, Lots to talk about in this hour. uh, Who better than Connie Rice? But I want to start with this. Yesterday, um, uh, many people awoke to this story. Front page New York Times. Trump leads in five critical states as voters blast Biden. This is a Siena New York Times poll, uh, and uh, President Biden is trailing one year out, trailing Donald J. Trump in five of the six most important battleground states one year before the 2024 elections. Now, that headline got a lot of folks' attention, Connie, but when you scroll down in that article, as you and I did, and you continue to read and you get to this paragraph, if you're black, you panic. And I quote from the New York Times. Black voters long a bulwark for Democrats and for Mr. Biden are now registering 22 percent support in these states for Mr. Trump, a level unseen in presidential politics for a Republican in modern times. I'll read again in case you didn't hear me. Black voters are now registering 22 percent support in these critical battleground states that will decide this election. The black vote is now 22 percent one year out for Donald Trump. Uh, a significant part uh, of the reason that number is 22 percent is that black men continue to drift toward Donald Trump. These numbers uh, are shocking uh, to use Connie's words. For many, they were uh, they induced a panic attack yesterday that black people could be at this level in these swing states. Look at my clock. It'd be unfair to let Connie go and have to cut her off in 20 seconds. So let me uh, just uh, with that table now being set, you'll want to hear Connie's response to all of that. I can tell you right now, uh, Connie said repeatedly, uh, I, don't, I don't know where else she's going, but I can tell you this. Somewhere in her commentary is going to be that the Biden administration is in the wrong frame. She said it more than once. Uh, the Biden folk are bringing a knife to a gunfight. Uh, what our take is on this black number. I am anxious to hear myself. You'll hear it from Connie Rice when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. For Smart talk for curious people just like you. Just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Connie Rice just getting started in this first hour today. So, Connie, there you have it. Uh, Biden is slipping with black voters. The Hispanic number I didn't even get into. It ain't much better. Um, all right, Connie, microphone's all yours.
1: I think you made the point, Savas, which is that this is mostly men, because black women are too smart to do this. <laughs> we, we know that, okay? So, so let's just focus on you, you. You raised the right issue, which is that it's mainly men who like the attitude. and I understand it. They like they like the middle finger attitude. They like the fact that Trump rashes against authority and breaks laws and, you know, has supermodels on his arm and, you know, all that macho crap. But and I understand that, and that's what the attraction is. It's the attitude. It's very similar to what a lot of white men find attractive. Um, so it's it's a brainstem reaction in a lot of ways. And for those who are more thoughtful about it, it may be that they actually agree that you know, end the democracy, try autocracy. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I think I think there, even you know, even though I had a gin and tonic while I was reading this poll, <laughs> I think I think that what it says it, when you look at voters saying they trust trump more than biden on national security that's your clue all right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that number one this is a reaction of voters who are gonna who are blaming biden not biden the man but biden the symbol of everything that's gone wrong the world's going topsy-turvy uh, you know, the price of eggs is too high, they can't get a mortgage, and the price of gasoline. And they're saying that they, tr- they trust Trump, who's never been in a grocery store, wouldn't know how to buy a dozen eggs. Mm-hmm. They trust him more on the economy. Now, what you could trust Trump to do is lie about the economy and tell you that you're imagining uh, inflation not being beat. So, you know, you, you take a look at this poll, and I think that, that, that pe- voters are angry and they're lashing out because the world doesn't make any sense anymore and our institutions have failed for so many generations, both Democratic and Republican regimes, um, that you're having a big swath of the country perhaps saying, you know what, this constitutional order isn't working. That's the third of the country that's going MAGA. Outside of that, you have voters who are angry about this, what they see, even though things Sort of statistically, factually, analytically, the way you and I kind of go through the world. Mm-hmm. The, the, for those of us who know, inflation is being tamed. African Americans have never had more income than, than in the la- you know, under the Biden administration. On and on, unemployment has gone down. Inflation is getting tamed. None of that matters because people don't feel it yet. And and for them to have gone out on Bidenomics, it makes them it makes the Democrats look more clueless than they actually are. Even though they are fairly clueless. So I I would say a couple of things. Here are the things that did worry me about this poll, is that I think that some of the the, the fire hose of lies is working. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's baking in stupid stuff like Biden is addled, you know, is too old and confused. No, that's because they've taken clips and put them in a kind of Saturday night live spiel and they play it over and over again. But Trump's nonsense doesn't even get covered. Trump Trump's given speeches where he he said three times when I ran against Obama he never ran against Obama he ran against Hillary Clinton he didn't even know who his opponent was <laughs> he doesn't he said twice we're going to we're going to be triggering world war 2 he doesn't understand world war II was fought in the last century you want to talk about too old and addled Biden is putting together an alliance to fight autocracy around the world and and so forth and and Trump can't even figure out who are, who, who who's turkey and who's uh Hungary So, you know, I'm saying that the misperception is reality, and the fire hose of lies is creating a false reality that the Dems are not countering, that media confirms every time they normalize crazy MAGA people as normal. You know, when they put up Scalise, Scalise described himself as David Duke without the hood. Mm -hmm. He was in line for Speaker. That was never—you didn't hear that in, in the coverage of him. They covered him like he's a normal politician. So I think that all of these factors are, are, are creating a misperception in reality that the Dems aren't fighting. They're not fighting the cultural war, they're not fighting the misperception war. They're, they're not even they're not even understanding that they're losing their base, and that's what this poll says. As you raised, they're not just losing black men and Latino men; they're losing the youth vote. and The youth vote mm-hmm. was the key to that election. It was the key to the midterms, along with the women's vote. Uh, when when women were told you you don't get to control your body, you know. Jim Jordan gets to tell your gynecologist what you and he can do. Um, but but with all that you've got, and, and, and this poll doesn't even account for the huge reaction of Arab and Muslim voters
2: mm-hmm. who
1: are furious about the one-sided strategy um, in the Middle East. It doesn't even count. And in Michigan, one thing this poll tells us is that if he loses Michigan, if the Democrats lose Michigan, they can't win. Mm-hmm. And that Arab-Muslim vote, in ann arbor and and that's the second biggest population of arab americans and muslim americans in the country if he loses those votes that's his margin of victory in, in michigan so i i think a couple of things just just to kind of wrap this i'm not panicking i'm going to watch the elections this week because democrats do badly in polls but they seem to be winning elections right. midterm midterm special election after special election. let's see what happens with the elections this week and and two things to note, when, when um, voters are asked if Trump is convicted and sentenced before the election, what will you do? His support, Trump's support, drops six points, and that puts Biden, uh, puts all of the battleground states back into Biden's column. And the second thing is that very interestingly, when Dems are asked, why are you, why are you so down on Biden, they say, well, we're criticizing Biden. But um, don't don't try and threaten us with Trump. Trump isn't going to be the nominee. They don't believe Trump is going to be the nominee. So I think when the choice becomes clear,
2: mm-hmm. if the
1: Democrats make the stakes clear, they're not explaining the stakes, they're not explaining. Stop trying to convince people you're, you, what you've done is great and get into their reality and mm-hmm. meet them where their reality is. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to get out of that white paper Washington, D.C. nonsense and understand You're in a culture war, you're in a war for democracy, and you've got to tell voters, look, we didn't get everything done, and for African Americans, we apologize for failing you. But here's the real choice, and here's what we're going to work on. If we can get, if we can get the House back, here's what we can pass and give people a reason to come back and say, we know you don't like us, but you sure don't want Mr. Insurrection in charge.
0: Yep. Um, Didn't want to interrupt. Wanted you to get a chance to lay it out, and you have, so now let me interrogate it in a few different ways. Number one, um, for those who are, in fact, panicked (laughs) by this poll that, Uh, that uh, that trump is leading biden in all these key battleground states and if the election were held today trump would have 300 and electoral college votes uh far surpassing the 270 needed to be elected president so biden would go down in flames today uh if the election were held today thankfully it's not there's a year to go and connie just laid out how she sees them getting in the right frame i thought about bill clinton when connie was talking clinton uh was right about a lot of things and wrong about a lot of things he's right about this every election is about the future that's a bill clinton line every election is about the future never about the past you hear connie's point stop telling folk what you've done for them and how great what you've done for them is get in their frame get in their situation get into their world and tell them how you're going to help them in the future even if you failed on certain things you promised when you ran um the last time around so i I take connie's point she's right having said that connie there was all this talk about Joe uh, about joe biden taking a shellacking in the midterms and that red wave that they predicted did not happen so for those who are past When they predicted this last time, Connie, it didn't actually happen.
1: Didn't happen for two reasons. Uh, Women were angry about being told you don't get to control your body.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Ended a woman's right to choose uh, the Supreme Court. And number two, the youth vote. Right. Young people and young people of color in particular made the difference in the midterms and they stopped the red wave.
0: Mm-hmm. The other issue I want to raise with you now um, Is um, third party candidates You and I have discussed uh, a number of times Our friend Cornell West Who will be a, a guest on this program in the coming days Once again, he'll, he'll return to our studio uh, For an hour conversation He and I were just talking about that Locking in the date for that now But um, there are two ways to read this In terms of third party candidates um, Let's just talk about Cornell West and Bobby Kennedy. Um If they were to pull anything Away from Joe Biden and these numbers that we're talking about now were to hold. Clearly, Biden would lose. He wouldn't just lose because Trump is leading him in these key battleground states. He'd further lose because whatever West and, and Kennedy, uh, many would argue, would pull. I don't buy that argument, but they would pull away from him. The other way to read that's one way to read it. Uh, and that's where the Biden folk are reading it. Why they want to crush these third party candidates. The other way to read it is that Biden's policies are not progressive enough. And that is why Cornell West or Bobby Kennedy could pull votes because the president's agenda isn't progressive enough, to your point, because he's in the wrong frame. And West and, and Kennedy would argue that they are in the right frame. So they aren't pulling votes away from him. They would argue this is precisely what we're telling you. The brother, I can hear Cornell now, the brother is in trouble with Donald Trump because he's not in the right frame. His policies aren't progressive enough, et cetera, et cetera. So there are two ways to read that. Which one is right, which one is wrong or, or both wrong?
1: Let me put it this way. I guess maybe I have a different take on on the shift in frames. Okay, you know, Doc is saying that the frame uh, needs to be shifted more left. I say that that, that 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 the the country's spectrum has been pushed so far right that in this particular moment in time we can't even get to progressive stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Bernie Sanders sings in the soul of my, you know, in the key of my soul, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, <laughs> so, sure. Well, you know, I, I'm, a demo, I, I'm, a social, I'm a democratic socialist.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
1: Norway and Sweden are the way you should organize society, that, that your government should be serving upward mobility, not, the, not, not making plutocrats and not, not crushing people so low that we have homeless encampments, mm-hmm. okay? So I'm with Bernie Sanders and Doc. Realistically, the United States has allowed its political pendulum to be pushed so far right that we have a near-Klansman as a nominee for speaker, mm-hmm. and we have a kinder, gentler white nationalist and Christian supremacist in the speaker's office right now. So we're 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 in a less dramatic frame right now. <laughs> we're in a mm-hmm. Strom Thurmond frame. You know, we're we're not in a Barack Obama frame. And if we were starting with the Barack Obama frame, I could see us pushing to the left. Right. But right now, I think I think that given how extreme and how normalized we've made extremists white nationalist, violent insurrectionist political speech and action with all of the vote suppression, trying to get knock African Americans out of the electoral system, trying to make sure women don't vote, LGBTQ folks don't vote, all of that is, is at stake. And and I guess what I'm saying is when, you, when you're in a frame of turmoil yeah. where the old rules don't apply and where the whole democracy is at stake, that's an existential frame. And anything that injects uncertainty from third party candidates to this war in the Middle East, this war in the Middle East could end up making Trump the next president if it isn't handled.
0: Well, to your your, your earlier point, um, uh, Michigan, I know it well. Uh, So many Arab Americans live in that state. Uh, in Ann Arbor, in Detroit, in that state. They, they, they're, they're, that's home for them. Uh, and, and one could argue, uh, if you listen to the rhetoric, one could argue that Joe Biden has already lost Michigan. Why do I say that? Uh, he loses Michigan, it's over. Uh, one could argue he's already lost Michigan in part because these pro-Palestinians have made it clear under no conditions, given what's happened already, will they ever vote for joe biden again they've already made that clear so i can't imagine him doing a 180 on the israel palestine thing he's not going to do that and this nonsense last week of we're going to ask Israel to pause the war every nine again so we can get hostages out and aid in. And then they go back to bombing again. I mean, that was just an absurd statement as far as I'm concerned. I see I see what their end game is, but it's just absurd when you look at it, uh, even in a prima facie sort of way. So one could argue that he's already lost to Michigan if these persons are serious when they say we will never under any circumstances, every vote for Joe Biden. I digress on that point. Let me push through to the other issue you raised about his age. This poll really, really goes uh drills drills down into this. And I know he's tired of hearing it. Another folk are tired of hearing it. Those Biden supporters are tired tired of hearing it because it reminds me again of the Jesse Jackson line. I'd rather have Reagan I I'd rather have Roosevelt in a wheelchair than Reagan on a horse. That's Jesse classic Jesse Jackson. Give me Roosevelt in a wheelchair than Reagan on a horse, and yet uh, somebody said this the other day, and I think they're right. It's not Connie. Just that Joe Biden is old. We're not engaging in ageism. That's not the point. He's not just old. He looks frail. He moves frail. He talks frail. So it's not even just his memory. He said, when you look at him, there's nothing about looking at him that inspires anything, and there's nothing he can do about that, Connie. And
1: there's nothing they can do about it, but they but they aren't dealing with it in the right way. Right. Okay. They're not. They're not making. They're not making it uh, less toxic. He may not look, he may not look vigorous, but his thinking and his leadership in the global stage is very, very vigorous. That, that one and a half hour State of the Union debate that he had with, with screaming Republicans in the audience, Mm -hmm. he was brilliant on that. It was very clear. Mm -hmm. There was no script there. So, so when, you know, if he's fairly portrayed, he's, you know, on the stuff that's important, he's making the right, he's, well, he's making strategic decisions that are based, in some kind of analysis. He's not, he's not senile. He's not. So all of that is nonsense. And, and Trump, on the other hand, if you listen to his speeches, I don't know where they, my, my theory is, especially if you talk about the subgroups of African-Americans, Muslim-Americans, Arab-Americans, I think that, for example, in Michigan, no, he can't win Michigan if he, if he, because that, that, that vote in Ann Arbor, from Arab Americans and Muslim that was his his victory margin. Mm-hmm. If he loses that, and but but I also know I've been with I've been with, with Muslim American and Arab American groups, I've been with Jewish American groups, I've been with Israeli groups in the last two weeks. And it's 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 the kind of thing where people are so angry at this point for very good reasons on both sides
2: mm-hmm.
1: that I'm thinking that as the outrage subsides, and if there's a more sensible approach to this, to the madness that we see, um, that that when Arab and Muslim Americans see that Trump has already promised to reinstitute the Muslim ban, mm-hmm. you might get some of those votes back, and yeah. the Democrats can make up with female votes. So I think your point is absolutely right. I think those votes are lost right now. They may not vote at all.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But they're that means they got to make up with other groups. But that doesn't mean you leave those groups feeling like yeah. they've been betrayed. The Jewish Americans feel they've been betrayed. Israelis feel they've been betrayed. The Palestinians, Arab America, everybody is just a cluster betrayal. Yeah. And um, we've got to get strategic and very hard-eyed about how to actually solve the problem rather than Mm-hmm. Uh, going through the outrage cycle
2: there's a
0: lot more in this poll that Kai and I could unpack if I had the time, but I want to push when we come forward to covering a few other things. He just mentioned Israel and Hamas uh I said at the top of this uh show a half hour ago uh that they've short uh, somebody has made a short film, if you will, and they 're going to be showing it in Hollywood and New York this week, and the film is no narration it's just the footage of what happened. Uh, When Hamas engaged this attack, surprise attack on Israel on October 7th, we'll get Connie's uh, uh, temperature on that. Uh, We are celebrating the 15th anniversary of Obama's historic election. She mentioned Obama earlier. And uh, Trump is off the rails in this courtroom today. A lot more to talk about with Connie Rice when we come forward. You are listening to Tavis Smiley.
2: From the Mert Park with love, this is Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now.
0: Our guest in this hour is Connie Rice, and I'm delighted to have her, as I always am, um, in dialogue about some trending political issues. In case you've just tuned in, uh, you missed a spirited conversation uh, that Connie and I just had about this poll that came out yesterday that shows that Biden uh, is losing to Donald Trump in five or six of the key battleground states. Uh, One year out uh, and that were the election held today, Trump would have 300 uh, electoral college votes, um, giving Joe Biden a shellacking uh, in the sequel that we expect. Um, The poll poll has a lot of nuances in it. Connie made uh, the point quite accurately uh, that if he is tried and convicted, uh, those numbers shift. Um, we also noted that 22 uh, percent of black folk in these key battleground states are not supporting Donald Trump. That's scary. We unpacked that as well, in case you just tuned in. And before I move on to Israel, Hamas, uh, uh, Donald Trump and Barack Obama, Connie, in this last half hour, um, let me just come back one more time um, to a comment you made earlier uh, about the poll, uh, that if, in fact, Donald Trump is uh, tried and convicted, um, and running for president uh, as a, as a felon, if you will, um, it, it, it shifts the numbers in these polls. And uh, Joe Biden could actually pull this thing out a year from now. Uh, here's my question on that. Uh, and I know as a, I know you're a lawyer and a brilliant lawyer, and I know what you're supposed to say when I ask you this <laughs> question. <laughs> but I just want you to be uh, a straight note chaser and just gut bucket honest with me. If you were, If you're a prosecutor in any one of these cases, and you're reading this poll as Connie and I, and everybody else is reading this poll, and you know that Donald Trump can lose this election uh if in fact he's tried and convicted before election day. Do I need to finish my question, Connie? I think you take my point uh what what is their mandate?
1: Get the trial done. <laughs> <laughs> Get the trial done and get him sentenced. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> which is what Jack Smith's doing. It's not going to happen in Florida with the uh, stolen nuclear secrets uh, documents, classified documents case. Right. And it doesn't look like it doesn't look like Bonnie Lewis is going to be able to get the stuff uh, up and going by then either in Georgia on the uh, interference with Georgia's election case. So the DC case with Judge Chutkin mm-hmm. is the case that is on track.
0: The sister judge, the, the, that's Chutkin. the black judge. Yeah, the sister judge. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we've got we've got two black DAs, a black judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this is why they ought to pose affirmative because it puts smart black people in <laughs> <laughs> you know, I once said I said, Yeah, I'm your argument against affirmative action because you don't want to give me a Harvard degree. You're not gonna yeah. like it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um I, but I think I think and the prosecutor there is Jack Smith. That case is about uh Trump's violation of constitutional process. He basically interfered in the certification of the votes and, and launched that insurrection riot of, mm-hmm. of angry white men um on January sixth, June, twenty twenty one. So that that's what that case is. And um he, he made it lean, mean, and streamed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that he put one defendant, Donald J. Trump, Bone Spurs, and put him on and and say you Engaged in a conspiracy to interfere with the certification of the election. And that case is simple, it's straightforward, it's one defendant, and the judge is determined, I think. I think the judge is rightly determined because Trump keeps threatening witnesses and staff and the judge and the prosecutor. He's gone, you know, full political violence with his rhetoric and suggestions. So she's, she's like told him, look, I'm putting you under a limited gag order, and this trial is going forward. She set the, she set the time for a jury questionnaires to go out and she set the time for when the jury is going to be picked. So she's, she's, she's marching right ahead.
0: Yep. For those who are curious as to the case that we were talking about earlier, that we'll get to again, right about now, <clears throat> the one in New York, Letitia James, Attorney General, uh, over his uh, his uh, his holdings, uh, and whether or not he'll lose control of any of his properties. And uh, this is the, the this is the case where he lied about his 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 net worth uh, and the worth of his company. That's Letitia James speaking of sisters uh, in New York State. That's the case underway right now. That case is uh, civil; it is not criminal. <clears throat> so just to be clear, uh, this case underway right now is not one that's going to send him to prison, no matter what the outcome is. But let me just go straight inside that courtroom, Connie, in New York. Because Trump just is off the rails today. I mean, literally, the judge in the case uh, stopped the trial and told Trump's attorneys, get your client under control, and took a 15-minute recess for them to do that. Uh, but he's pushing back against this judge. It's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I've been watching it to the extent I can. It's brutal inside that courtroom, Connie.
1: <laughs> well, Trump doesn't care about the legal process. He's doing a show for the political process. Basically, he's running to stay out of prison um, because if he wins the election, he can nullify most of these cases. He can't nullify the Georgia case, but mm-hmm. he can he can pull the plug on all of the federal actions. So he's he's not he's not going to comply with witness rules. He's going to yell at the judge. I I, I can't wait to as soon as I get off this call, I'm going to turn the TV. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: see his, see the Trump show. You know, it's just mm-hmm. more of the Trump show. So so he's going to act up. This judge has a they made the mistake His lawyers didn't know they were supposed to select a jury trial you have to ask for a jury in civil in civil uh, cases and they didn't ask for one so they they they're having to try this case before the judge and the judge has already said i've never seen so much fraud we don't even need to try that. i've already found this fraud now what the issue is on these other counts you got to prove these other counts But uh, we already know it's mass fraud. So, I mean, like like, like we said in the beginning, if you are tied with a four-times criminally indicted, adjudicated fraudster, adjudicated sexual assaulter who stole nuclear secrets, fomented violent insurrection, and wants to end the Constitution to install a white nationalist autocracy, the Democrats, if you can't run against that— I suggest you put Steve Harvey in charge of this because Steve Harvey would know how to blow all that stuff up, okay? You
0: know, really. Yeah, the the thing that that Connie said earlier um, as well, in case you weren't tuned in at that time, um, in this poll, and I'm back to this poll again because it's fascinating on so many levels. If you haven't had a chance to look at it today, just Google it, read it, because there's some fascinating data uh, one year out uh, from Election Day. But Connie put her finger on this, and I think this really is the point. Of how crazy these Trump supporters are, including this increasing number of black men uh, who are supporting Donald Trump, which raises the number to 22 percent, as I said earlier, of black support in these key battleground states. And Connie Connie just nailed this. And it's important to underscore once again that if you think, as many respondents do in this poll, that Donald Trump is better on national security than Joe Biden. Then you're completely stuck on stupid. Put down the crack pipe. How could a guy who stole nuclear secrets, had all these boxes, etc., etc.? How could you believe that guy is better on national security? Connie, I still don't understand how anybody could believe that.
1: They don't believe it because they're not paying attention to it. Yeah. They're just mad at the general state of the world and anything that Biden, Biden represents the establishment now. So they're just saying Biden's bad at this, Biden's bad at that. But it, 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 they don't know any of the facts. They don't particularly care. They're voting their emotions. Yep. In these
0: polls, I take it when we come forward, um, we'll go straight to a conversation about uh, it's called bearing witness. This is the um, the short film um, that's been put together um, about what happened on October seventh when Hamas uh, surprised Israel with this attack. And folk were a pretty savage attack, as you well know. No matter what you think of what's happening right now, this attack on October seventh pretty savage. Uh, no denying that. Uh, but they put together <clears throat> about a forty-five minute uh, documentary. And again, no narration. It's called "Bearing Witness to the October Seventh Massacre," and Israel has had enough of this narrative, as they see it shifting in a pro-Palestinian sort of way. And so they want to. Uh, pull the narrative back on their side of the aisle. So they put together this documentary. Uh, it's being shown to uh, certain audiences this week in Hollywood and in New York. Who knows if it will go wider? But it's it's a bold and brazen uh, and a tricky move um, to be putting out a film, um, showing these beheadings, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm not sure that Israel uh, will not regret this. And the comments about their effort to do it are not positive, by far uh, We'll talk about that and, uh, and close this program today Close this hour of the program I still got two miles to go We'll close this hour uh, Something a little more positive We'll celebrate the 15th anniversary Of Barack Obama being elected The first black president Of these United States You're listening right now To Connie Rice on Tavis Smile. Unapologetically progressive, progressive Unapologetically
2: blind. Black. black You're tapped into Tavis, Smart. Tavis Smiley Smiley He's rooting for everybody black Everybody black Black more Tavis coming
0: your way right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. All right, Connie Rice. Um, uh, as we sit here for this conversation today, uh, there are some more than 1,400 Israelis who've died in this uh, war between Israel and Hamas. More than 1,400 Israelis dead. Uh, most of them killed on October 7th when Hamas started uh, this uh, round of this ongoing war between these two sides. Um, The death toll for Palestinians now passed 10,000. So just over 1,400 Israelis, over 10,000 Palestinians, many of them children, uh, in the four-plus weeks of war. Uh, Israel has now cut off North Gaza, uh, and this death toll continues to rise. In response to this narrative sort of shifting in a pro-Palestinian sort of way, at least as they see it, Israel is releasing uh, this film called Bearing Witness uh, to the October 7th Massacre. Uh, because they're concerned about the skepticism uh, that people have about the savagery of these attacks that happened on October seventh, uh, as a, as a political strategy, what, what do you what do you make of this decision?
1: I think it's the wrong strategy mm-hmm. and the wrong response. Just as I think the mass invasion is the wrong response, um, as I said before, I, I've been with Jewish and Israeli groups uh, and uh, Muslim and Arab American groups. Uh, for the last two weeks, and I've never seen these sets of of communities this profoundly outraged over, bo- on both sides, and for good reason. Um, 1,400 Israelis slaughtered, uh, you, you know, I, I don't care, you can't celebrate killing infants. I don't care whose infants they are, you just can't celebrate that. And and when Jewish America and you've got this huge explosion of anti-Semitism, 1,400 um, Israelis is 50,000 Americans, and 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 then you know and it is I'm equally outraged that for Palestinians who have lost their original homeland, been you know, sort of occupied and contained and blockaded for 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 decades now. In this particular iteration of this fight, 10,000 Palestinians, about 45-50% of them children, that's 1.4 million Americans, mm-hmm. the equivalent of 1.4 million Americans. Mm-hmm. So this there's profound, justifiable outrage from both communities. But you can't—here's the problem. <clears throat> Extreme, shock and awe, savage attacks— our insurgency one on one you attack the dominant power with a with a ferocious brutality that provokes it into doing something big and dumb
2: mm-hmm.
1: That's what happened after nine eleven big and dumb is invading Iraq
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> big and
1: dumb is invading afghanistan mm-hmm. with 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 battalions and everything we had in our military, so the Israelis have fallen for the same bait, yeah. and the only way the problem is you know they're they're saying we have no choice. But that's, that's the fog of outrage, addling your analysis, because there are generals in the Israeli army and there are admirals and generals and, and all kinds of military leaders in the United States that say you can't bomb your way or invade your way out of an ideology. Yeah. The only way to pull the plug on murderous terrorist attacks is to do sustained targeted attacks of identified terrorists, number one, two, stop the money that supports them. And three, you have got to do justice. You've got to provide security and prosperity in a two-state solution. And that is the only way. You cannot—so the bombing's going to continue, and they're not even going to—Israelis are not going to be able to make themselves get rid of Hamas, make themselves secure. In fact, they're probably going to strengthen Hamas, and they're triggering a response that is thoughtless, because you don't celebrate the killing of Israelis, and you don't Uh, ignore the rise of anti-Semitism. There's a way to object to Israeli policy without being anti-Semitic, and that's what we have to focus on, the real solution, and give Israel alternatives and make sure that Palestinians finally stop having to suffer unendurable, horrible conditions. You don't to, cut off water and electricity and fuel to human beings. You just don't.
0: To that, I simply say amen. Couldn't disagree with Condi on any of that. Our remaining moments with her celebrating Barack Obama's historic rise to the presidency when we come forward on Tavis Smiley.
2: This is getting good. Isn't it? Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley, Tavis Smiley continues when we come, when we come forward. forward. Forward,
0: More honesty than you can handle.
2: Than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Smiley.
0: So much news today, Connor. Uh, kind of we had to cover in this first hour that not uh, much time for this, uh, but there'll be days ahead to unpack this. But in the two and a half minutes I left, I uh, have left uh, your thoughts on what it means. Um, this could have been a week of nostalgia for Barack Obama, but given what's all, all that's happening in the world, not not a lot of that. Uh, but it has been 15 years since his historic election. Last word to you. Uh, what are your thoughts on that reflection?
1: Well, one of his speeches uh, celebrating this 15 years told us why we need Barack Obama back. <laughs> He's just so strategic and so smart. The first African-American president never thought I would live to see that day when my dad died. He said uh it was all worth it because Barack Obama got into office. And, you know, it was just a symbolism. Now we're fighting the backlash to that because every time African-Americans make a stride forward, we're set back ten strides. But mm. you want to know something? He represents the fact that we have marched on till victory is won. We are marching on, and um, I think we ought to celebrate it. It didn't do everything we needed it to do, but... Can't say it wasn't a milestone, Tavis. It was a milestone.
0: No, no question about that. A milestone, to be sure, uh, and one worth celebrating. I've said consistently uh, that I believe that um, elections of this uh, magnitude are, uh, ought to be not just about symbolism, but about substance as well, and I take your point. Uh, he, he didn't deliver in every aspect, and God knows I can't hide from this. I had my own critique of him, uh, but if you're asking me whether or not it's worth celebrating, Um, that he was elected, of course it is. I remember being on the anchor desk um, on the night that he won, um, sitting between uh, Tom Brokaw and uh, Brian Williams, who invited me to do analysis that night on NBC, and uh, I'll never forget that night, and the goosebumps I had um, and the tears that I shed uh, Mm -hmm. when he was elected president of these United States and to be uh, on the anchor desk, and they were kind. Brian and Tom uh, gave me first word. The minute that NBC called the election for Barack Obama, uh, they allowed me, uh, a son of slaves, uh, to um, to uh, to have the first word. And it was quite quite gracious of Brian and Tom Brokaw. And I'll never forget that night. But it was a great night to celebrate. And we'll talk more about this in the coming days. Um, it is worth looking back on his presidency 15 years later. And, again, we'll do more of that as this program continues. For now, we thank our friend Connie Rice. Connie, brilliant, brilliant as always. Great analysis. Good to have you on. We'll do it again. Have a great rest of the day. You too, Travis. Take care. Good to have you on.